Welcome to the Retirepreneur Podcast, where we strive to help women age 50 and over transition from the corporate world into retirepreneurship by reclaiming the resilience in your next. I'm your host, Joy Disro. Each Thursday, you'll hear from guests much like yourself discuss how they built their own retirepreneur empires. I will provide you with inspiration, resources, and tips on taking charge of your mindset, health, and wealth in this phase of life. You will hear from influencers, financial and business-minded experts, as well as authors that will help you navigate your retirement journey. If you're trying to determine when and how you can retire and pivot from the corporate world into a plan B and C, then this podcast is for you. Let's make it happen. Well, welcome back to the second episode of 2021, and this is actually the 17th episode of the Retirepreneur Podcast. So I'm so glad you're listening. In my last episode, I asked us to take a pause. Yeah, a pause. And this was due to, you know, the recent events that happened at our nation's capital a few weeks ago, nearly three weeks ago now. But after yesterday, seeing a new administration take office with President Joe Biden, it does indeed feel like it's a new day. A new day has begun. So this week, I wanted to play a special celebratory for the first woman to hold the office of Vice President of the United States, Madam Vice President Camila Harris. So no matter what political association you are or have been or none at all, that's fine. This is just a huge advancement for all women, particularly, of course, of all women of all color, women of color, and from all backgrounds. So in honor of um, just this fabulous time that uh, many women we are seeking, and especially again, women of color in the workforce settings, or even if we're contemplating and have pivoted this last year into our own businesses, or thinking about retiring, thinking about starting an online business or a actual um, brick and mortar entrepreneurship, transitioning to a different career or industry, it's the right time. It is our time as women. Even at age 50, 55, 65, 75, 80, whatever you want to do, do it and it's our time. But one of the highlights of yesterday's inauguration, as many of you maybe have heard, read about, have seen on television all day yesterday and today, was a poet named Amanda Gorman, who has become the youngest poet to write and recite a piece at a presidential inauguration. Following in the footsteps of others such as Robert Frost and Maya Angelou. Now I had never heard of Amanda. I, I actually recall a segment on, I think the Today Show or the third hour, whatever I think it's called. It was in a smart, it was a, a small episode when she 
was on and I just didn't remember the her name and but I just remember a small clip about her being a, a young poet at the time she was several years younger she is only I think 22 now and she was amazing I was struck by her and her poise it was all over social media and I was posting about her but then I said let me research her let me just find out a little bit more about her and I haven't finished all my research but I said, I'm going to dedicate this episode just to her work. I'm just so proud of her. I know she's going to do great things. And of course, she wants to be uh, president one day. She even stated that in one of her interviews. And I was reading one from Anderson Cooper. I wanted to give our listeners a little bit of history about her. For those that don't know, and of course, I'm learning too. She is an American poet and she attends Harvard University. Her work focuses on issues of oppression, feminism, race, as well as African dysphoria. And she was the first person to be named the National Youth Poet Laureate. She's published the poetry book, The One for Whom Food is Not Enough in 2015. And of course, her new poem now, The Hill We Climb. But what makes her deliveries is so remarkable as well, is she struggled with a speech impediment. And I, of course, you, we all know that Joe Biden, he dealt with a speech impediment. And so his wife, Jill, is the one that recommended her to the inaugural committee or board or whatever it's probably called officially so that she would be selected because she had heard about her in being a, a school teacher. And Amanda's mother is a school teacher, which helped. But yes, she struggled with a speech impediment. And which also, of course, Maya Angelou is another one that, and so in this ironic, she's a poet. And and as I've been reading, many poets have different speech impediments or some type of, or even a writing impediment, dyslexia, and then they, they overcome it. And I think that is so important with, Women, we shouldn't let, and she's 22, but no matter what age you are, don't let things hinder you. Don't let setbacks hinder you. Don't let, oh, I don't have enough um, education to do this or that, or I don't have enough money to start a business. Or So don't let those, what seems to be huge obstacles set you back. Keep moving forward because that's exactly what she has done and so many other people have done. And actually Anderson Cooper in the article I was reading, he had a speech, a slight stutter, I believe, uh, similar to Joe Biden. And that's something I didn't know either. And look at him, he has his own show on CNN, but just very prominent in the um, world of speaking on a daily. And I've never heard any issues. But see, we we never know anyone's story until it's told. That is just so important to tell your story, share your story, because there's others, there's someone else out there. And then you feel that, oh, I'm not the only one, even though you know you're really not. But until you hear that from someone or you see that person or whatever the case is, that is that extra nudge that you need to get you going to say, I can do it. 
Amanda's impediment. She had trouble dropping whole letters of the alphabet. So for most, she said for most of her life until two or three years ago, actually, she could not say the letter R. And she said, even to say it now, it's a struggle. But she practiced like there was different, I think it was a rap song. And she mentioned that she had to train herself to to help herself sound it out. And of course, and, you know, she was taking speech um, pathology to help her own speech, but she had to train herself. And again, that's where we have to, sometimes we have to train our mind even to think differently in order to accomplish what we really truly want to accomplish. So um, one of the also amazing things that I think she is actually going to be writing um, a children's book or maybe two children's books, I believe it's going to be like a small series coming out in September. So I can't wait for that. Again, I think she's just going to be an excellent role model for so many, especially young Um, Black women, people of color, young girls, children growing up and they're seeing they may have a struggle with whatever the case may be, may not be speech, it could be anything. And she can be the one to, to inspire them to become more even to write to or do poetry, just whatever, write a book. And I know she's inspired me here I am 55 years old and but still it doesn't matter the age as I stated something can spark in you and I think I've always been and I may have shared this on an episode once before maybe not but growing up I I grew up with my grandmother so I don't think I have shared this part I grew up with my grandmother and as many in the black community growing up and especially in a Christian home community one of the things that we would do, and they still do it now, but, but especially back when I was younger, every holiday, especially more at Christmas time and at Easter, we all had to recite poems. And most of us, we had to recite, we had to memorize them, of course. And I was fairly good at memorizing. Actually, I guess pretty good, very good. And I would always get the longest ones and everybody was always getting the shorter ones. And I was like, why do I have to have these long ones? And my grandmother would, she would, oh my goodness, she would go over and over and over and I would get them, you know, and I was reading out of Frost. I remember I was reading out of, it was another lady and I can't, I remember the book cover, but I can't remember the name now, but I love the poems in there and they were of course Christian poems for different occasions for Easter around Christmas or for general and and there would be times when I would just recite a poem that was just a faith at a particular program and I remember I had finally turned and I had this was I started probably doing this maybe at seven and I know I would recite long ones up until 14, which is what I'm about to say, but I, I know there would be like a page. I don't remember how many lines, but it was probably um, at least, I don't know, maybe 25, 30 lines that I would recite as I, each year I would gradually go up more and more. 
But I know everyone else, even by the time I was getting 12 or 13, they still had maybe seemed like four lines that they were saying, and they had trouble with that. So I have to remind some of my school friends and uh, church buddies back then, if they remember reciting those and teasing me that I had the long ones. And But anyway, I digress a little bit. But by the time I turned 14... I was dating it, actually my husband now. And so my mind wasn't really focused and I, you know, just a new love. So it was time for me and it was not a particular holiday, but I know it was a big event and a church program that we were having. And I had to recite this poem that I thought I knew it. I had rehearsed and rehearsed and it was a long one. It was several um, minutes long and, uh, but I messed up. I did not know it. And it was funny. See, my grandmother played the piano. And so when I was in front of the congregation, I was always up like in the pulpit, so to speak, but right near my grandmother, which was by the piano. And I could hear her just sit down, sit down, sit down. And I wouldn't sit down for some reason because I knew I knew it, but I couldn't move. And I was just stuck. And I just could not get it out. But finally I did. I just sat down, but I was so embarrassed and it was like tons of people. And like our church was very small and then we didn't have a huge congregation because this particular Sunday, it was an afternoon and it was like filled. And there was, um, there was other young people there. Cause I think they were performing singing and from another, you know, all these different churches. And it was like all these people that, you know, it was just like, And I couldn't believe I just basically bombed, but I know what it was. I was not focused seeing my boyfriend. So I probably had seen him during the week or something. So just not focused. So here this young girl is, I say that all that it just reminded me of the poems that I used to recite. I was nowhere near this lady here at all. That's why it resonated with me so much, just because I love poems. I do. And I love hearing them read. I love my Angelo. That's one of my favorites. I love reading books and, and, and just especially on poems. But I, most of all, I love hear, to hear people speak. And when I heard her, it just, it took me there. And it, it took me there too, because of everything that has happened the first week on January the 6th and the way our country, the things that's happened over the last several years. And, and again, I'm not getting political at all. I don't want to, to be political. I just know our democracy can be better. I know we can be better. And she states that in her poem. So for those of you that did not hear her or maybe don't remember everything, I do want to recite Amanda Gorman's The Hill We Climb, because there's pieces of it that's not necessarily the political stance on it, but you can put it into your own life. For instance, she talks about, we learn that quiet isn't always peace. That's so powerful. And, and that's the same in the workforce. And I immediately thought about that as sometimes we're always quiet. We don't speak up, especially women. We don't ask for more money. We don't ask for Um, those mentoring opportunities. We don't ask for to work on projects as much. We don't speak up enough. And I know I was always guilty of that, but it came to time where, okay, I am going to speak up. And you do, you reach that point. If you're that type of person that you, 
you you like to sit back and just be behind the scenes, so to speak, if you're working on a project, depending on the industry and type of work you do. Sometimes you have to speak up and speak up for yourself and for others. And sometimes we're always good to speak up for others and not ourselves, because I have done that as well. And then just sit by the wayside and don't do anything for yourself. So that was one point too that was similar. And then in another stance, she says, somehow we've weathered and witnessed. And sometimes that's the same in our life. And we weathered our life storms and trials. We've been sidelined maybe in the workforce over the years, redlined, demoted, passed over, whatever the case may be, even in business, didn't get the client that we thought, but that's things that we can, you know, can weather through the storm, even though we witnessed the wrongdoing, but we can still continue on. But she states, we're striving to forge a union with purpose. So in that same since we can strive for our own life purpose, our mission, what are our goals? Here's the new year, 2021. What is your real life's purpose? Now that we've had this year behind us with everything that's going on, even though we're still going through this pandemic, we're still, so to speak, quarantined to our homes mostly, but we still have a life purpose. And maybe our purpose has changed even. Maybe we thought we knew what our life purpose, and if we hadn't achieved it or started on it, maybe it is different. And so hopefully you're thinking through that and to understand that you can change. You can change the purpose or goal. It's okay to do so. Let me get into this poem that this brilliant young lady, Amanda Gorman, wrote for and recited for the inauguration of Joe Biden and Vice President Harris. Uh, Of course, I won't give it any uh, due diligence that she did yesterday. So those of you that are listening, I appreciate you. So this was, again, Amanda Gorman called The Hill We Climb. When day comes, we ask ourselves, where can we find light in this never-ending shade? The loss we carry a sea we must wade, we've braved the belly of the beast. We've learned that quiet isn't always peace and the norms and notions of what just is, isn't always justice. And yet the dawn is ours before we knew it. Somehow we do it. Somehow we've weathered and witnessed a nation that isn't broken but simply unfinished. We, the successors of a country and a time where a skinny black girl descended from slaves and raised by a single mother can dream of becoming president only to find herself reciting for one. And yes, we are far from polished, far from pristine, but that doesn't mean we're striving to form a union that is perfect. We are striving to forge a union with purpose, to compose a country committed to all cultures, colors, characters, and conditions of man, 
And so we lift our gazes not to what stands between us, but what stands before us. We close the divide because we know to put our future first. We must first put our differences aside. We lay down our arms so we can reach out our arms to one another. We seek harm to none and harmony for all. Let the globe, if nothing else, say this is true. That even as we grieved, we grew. That even as we hurt, we hoped. That even as we tired, we tried. That we'll forever be tied together. Victorious not because we will never again know defeat, but because we will never again sow division. Scripture tells us to envision that everyone shall sit under their own vine and fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. If we're to live up to our own time, then victory won't lighten the blade. But in all the bridges we've made, that is the promise to glade, the hill to climb, if only we dare it. Because being American is more than a pride we inherit. It's the past we step into and how we repair it. We've seen a force that would shatter our nation rather than share it, would destroy our country if it meant delaying democracy. And this effort very nearly seceded. But while democracy can be periodically delayed, it can never be permanently defeated. And this truth and this faith we trust, for while we have our eyes on the future, history has its eyes on us. This is the era of just redemption we feared. At its inception, we did not feel prepared to be the heirs of such a terrifying hour, but within it, we found the power to author a new chapter, to offer hope and laughter to ourselves. So while once we asked, how could we possibly prevail over a catastrophe? Now we assert, how could catastrophe possibly prevail over us? We will not march back to what was but move to what shall be a country that is bruised, but whole, benevolent, but bold, fierce and free. We will not be turned around or interrupted by intimidation because we know our inaction and inertia will be the inheritance of the next generation. Our blunders become their burdens, but one thing is certain. If we merge mercy with might and might with right, then love becomes our legacy and change our children's birthright. So to let us leave behind a country better than the one we were left, with every breath from my brown's pounded chest, we will raise this wounded world into a wondrous one. We will rise from the gold-limbed hills of the West we will rise from the wind-swept northeast where our forefathers first realized revolution. We will rise from the lake-rimmed cities of the Midwestern states. We will rise from the sun-baked south. We will rebuild, reconcile, and recover. 
in every known nook of our nation, in every corner called our country, our people, diverse and beautiful, will emerge, battered and beautiful. When day comes, we step out of the shade of flame and unafraid the new dawn blooms as we free it. For there is always light if only we're brave enough to see it, if only we're brave enough to be it. Be light, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that passage from Amanda Gorman and take heart. Not only is it just about our country and the democracy, but it's for our everyday life and our everyday lives in the workforce, out of the workforce. So again, be the light. See you next week. I sure hope you were able to take away a gem or nugget from this episode. Make sure you send out an SOS to all your friends, that is, share or subscribe to this podcast. We're on a mission to help inspire, motivate, and transform as many women as we can transition into their best next chapter and advance in their retirement journey to better health and financial wellness. See you in the next chapter every Thursday right here on The Retirepreneur. Again, I'm your host, Joy Disrow.